Psalms chapter 27. I'm sorry, sound uh, booth. You're going to have to just follow me today. I'm going a different direction. I know I gave you a set uh, scripture, but I feel the Holy Ghost leading me a different direction today. Amen. Psalms chapter 27, verses 1 through 5. Again, what a joy it is to be here with y'all. I am so honored. I love. I just love what I feel here today. Amen. This is a thriving revival church. Amen. This is a thriving church. Amen. This church is moving forward. Absolutely. This church is moving forward. It's a lighthouse in this city. It's a lighthouse in this city. Psalms 27 verses 1 through 5. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? What a bold statement David said there. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Again, what bold statements. When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh or tempt me, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war should rise against me. In this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. I want to minister for a few minutes today from the from the thought, from the idea, broken and perfect in the valley. Broken and perfect in the valley. Would you help me pray this morning? I'm going to pray for you if you would pray for me. God, I pray for every man. I pray for every woman. I pray for every young person. I pray for every visitor. I pray for every saint. God, that their heart would be in a place to receive the word that you have for us today. And God, I pray right now, Lord, that your word would be a blessing unto them, that it would uplift them, that it would encourage them, that it would set them free, oh God. Whatever it is that they need today, let it be established, oh God, because I know that it is your will. I know that it is your passion. I know that it is your plan for us not just to live life, but for us to live life and to live it more abundantly in your grace, in your mercy, in your love, in your overcoming power. God, let your word go forth today. Let it not return void, O oh God. Let there be liberty in this room today. Let there be freedom in this room today. And let the gifts of the Spirit, let them be in operation. I pray, God, let your will be done. We're going to thank you for what you're going to do, what you've already done in Jesus' name. One more time, could you clap your hands? Could you thank God for what he's going to do, what he's already done? take your seat. Thank you for standing. There is power in your spoken word today. Amen. We're not just going through the motions when pastor says speak victory, speak deliverance. We're not just filling uh, time. There's really power in your words today. 
what's happening on the inside, if it's really happening on the inside, it's going to show on the outside. All right. Praise God. So there's power in the tongue. Life and death is in the tongue. So right. whatever it is you're looking for today, if you need deliverance, I want you to speak that deliverance here in a few minutes. If if it's peace in your life, I want you to speak that into your life today. If you need the Holy Ghost, I want you to speak that into your life. Yes. We're not uh, claim it. We're, we're, we're not a blab it and grab it type uh, uh, movement. You know, yeah, right. That's right. I, I know there's a process to things, but there is power. Genuine, authentic, biblical power. When you speak something. It's not just fluff. It's not just emotion. Right. It's not just religion. It's not just a show. Right. But there is real power in your tongue. The Bible gives us indication of that. Amen. Even if you don't feel it or see it, speak it. Praise God. Amen. But the healing process... Uh, in our lives that we all uh, seek after the, the healing process that we desire, uh, more times than none, it won't happen uh, on the mountaintop. Okay. And I know we want to be on the mountaintop. We want to uh, get up there where everything is nice and uh, the air is crisp and cool and uh, there's no danger on the mountaintop. We feel victorious. And yes, that's where we're headed. Yes, that's where we want to be. And right. yes, that's where God wants us to be. But there is a process. Okay. And the healing process that we need in our lives today. Most times it will not happen when all seems right in the world and our hands are firmly onto the wheel of confidence and control. That's where we want to be. We want to be in control. We want to have confidence in our situations. But sometimes, more times than none, the healing that God wants to do inside of us will not take place when we are in control. But it's quite the contrary. And although every fiber within us, it screams to avoid these places in the valley. It's here where God does his best work. Yes. It's in that pavilion of the secret place of the Most High, in the cleft of the rock, under the wings of the Almighty, in the midst of that storm when God is standing by your side and you don't know which way to go, in those moments of uncertainty, in the moments of confusion, yeah. in betrayal, in hurt, in brokenness, in pain, that God will do his best work if we'll only allow him to do so. All right. So I don't know what it is that you've come with this morning. I don't know how devastating it might be. I don't know how overwhelmed you might feel. But if you are determined, if you have a resolve inside of your heart today, if you have a made up mind that you want to come up and you want to come out of your situation, then how you view your current valley situation must change right now this morning. How we look at hardships and how you look at betrayal, how you look at pain, how you look at depression, whatever it might be in your life that you don't want 
to be there. How you look at that must no longer be funneled through the expected worldview of the natural emotions of, of man. I don't like this pain. I want it to stop now. That's the natural emotions of, of humanity. Right. We don't like discomfort. Right. We don't like pain. We don't like to suffer. We don't like hardships. But that is where God does his best work in our lives. Yes. Amen. If, if, yes. if we allow him to do so. So for the sake and the cause of healing in your life, your reaction must no longer be dictated by how you feel, but it must arrive at a place that it's being dictated by what you know. And we know today that Christ came to bring good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to bring deliverance to the captive, to bring sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are bruised. The word of God has come this morning to uplift. It's come today to encourage. It's come today to charge the people of God. You might be broken, but God is here this morning and he sees something that is beautiful. You might feel lonely today, but I believe God is here this morning and he sees something that is lovely You might be petrified in your situation, but God is here this morning and he sees perfection and he sees potential. I'm not just spouting off something that will make you feel good. I'm saying something that is real, it's tested, it's proven, it's tried, it does work. His view of your current valley experience his view of your current situation it's not governed by how he feels but it's governed by what he knows and we know that he knows the end from the beginning fear not the bible says for i have redeemed thee i have called thee by thy name thou art mine when thou passest through the waters i will be with thee and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel thy Savior. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee. For behold, I have made thee this day a defensed city, and an iron pillar, and brazen walls, and they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, yea, than the mighty waves of the sea. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemies. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. From the ends of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for thou hast been a shelter unto me and a strong tower from the enemy. 
It's going to be in this state of being overwhelmed, of feeling useless, of feeling like you have no more life, emotionally, mentally drained, not knowing which way to go, not knowing what to say, not even knowing how to drop down upon your knees and pray unto a God that's supposed to love you, that's supposed to care for you, and you're thinking, how in the world did I ever end up in this situation? If God loves me, why did he let this happen to me? Okay. In those situations, God does his best work. Yes. But the reality of it is this. Satan also does his best work when you are most vulnerable, when you are broken, when you are insecure, when you don't know which way to go. God does his best work, but also Satan does his best work. That's why it is of the utmost today that you position your eyes not based off of how you feel, but position your eyes based off what the word of God has already declared for your life. It was, as a matter of fact, in the storm where Christ did his best work. You know the story very well. Uh, The the disciples, they they were fighting and they were toiling and they were in the middle of a raging storm. They were great seamen. They knew how to turn the rudder. They knew how to pull on the ropes and and put up the mask and and turn the sails. They were experienced men upon the sea. But all of their skills and all their talents did not help them one iota. Even though they they knew what to do and they they were in control, or so they thought they were, and Finally, they came to a point where they said, we're going to die. We're going to perish on the seas. Okay. They came to themselves and they said, well, we better go and wake up the master. You see, their answer was not in what they could do. It wasn't in their abilities. It wasn't in their skills or their talents. Right. Their answer revolved around them getting their life into the presence of the master. Yes. It revolved around them getting themselves into the creator of those waves, the creator of those winds. Jesus. They said, Lord, help us, we perish. Right. You know the end of the story. He stepped out on the edge of that boat. He spoke to those winds and those waves. He commanded the storm to be at peace. Yes. It was when Jesus stepped on the scene in the middle of their storm that all was well. Right. All was okay. They would have perished in the middle of that storm if they did not get to Jesus. Right. And I'm not ashamed to say that you're going to perish in your storm if you don't get to Jesus. That's right. If you don't allow him to step out and say, peace, 
Be still. Oh, God. But you have to allow him to do that. Yes, yes. If, you, if you've done it and you're in a storm today, we'll do it again. Do it again. If you did it last week and you're in a storm today, do it again. Yes. Maybe you've never tried that before. was in the storm that Christ did his yes. best, work. best work. You see, David wrote the 27th Psalm that we read in an opening text, not from the comfort of security, not from the balcony of success, Jesus. not from the veranda of safety, not from the soundness of peace, not from the throne of power. But David wrote the 27th Psalm while running for his life from King Saul. He wrote that rousing psalm while living in the wilderness. He was hiding in caves and dens. He wrote the 27th psalm when life got so bad that David said to his band of misfits, if I stay here, we're going to die by the hand of Saul. In the wilderness he was speaking of. He wrote the 27th psalm while finding refuge for 16 long months in the village of Ziklag, which was the camp of the Philistines. Life got so bad for David. Yes, that ruddy boy who stepped out onto that field and he looked at Goliath and he said, you're not going to defy the people of God anymore. He slew that Philistine. He was a hero. But now that same man that was victorious Years ago, he was now towering in fear for his own life in the camp of the Philistine army. How bad does it have to get? It got pretty bad for David. Think about it. He wrote the 27th Psalm as David and his band of misfit followers who were discontent, they were... They were in debt. They were in bad shape. After spending 16 months cowering in fear, they approached their refuge, their village of Ziklag, there in the Philistine army, only to find utter and complete destruction. The Bible says that their homes were burned to the ground. Their wives and their daughters were taken captive by the Amalekites. They had been running for their lives for years and years and years and years. And then they hid away in the village of Ziklag, finding refuge from the Philistines, which was their sworn enemy. And now they approach their little hamlet, and their homes are burned to the ground. Their wives or daughters are taken captive. It got so bad that the Bible spoke of the people wanting to stone David. David finally arrived at a place in his life for all those years. He tried to do it on his own accord. He put his problems in his own hands. And you know what he found? He found more problems. It did not get any better, but it got that much worse. Right. And now he was about to lose his life. He had an ox 
continue to try to fix it myself. Okay. Or I'm going to give it to God and let God fix it once and for all. All right. And in verse 4, the Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. David went into the presence of God. He went in and he wrapped himself around his Jehovah Jireh. He went in and he wrapped himself around the one thing that was sure. Mm. The one thing that was real. Right. The one thing that was unmovable. He wrapped himself around peace that passeth all understanding. He wrapped himself around his joy, unspeakable joy and full of glory. He wrapped himself around his Jehovah Jireh. Lord will provide. Yes. He wrapped himself around that anchor. David came out of the presence of God. Saying one thing have I desired of the Lord. That will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. Not only did David come out writing that psalm, historians say... But also David came out with a word from the Lord. Yes. And the word was pursue and you shall recover everything that you lost. Hallelujah. Everything that the Amalekites took from you, you're going to recover. Not only can God restore you today if you put yourself into his presence, but you can leave with the word that you're going to walk on that's going to keep you days and weeks and months and years down the road. But you must put yourself into the presence of God and let him do the work. Remember, not long ago, I was preaching in Virginia, and there was a pastor there, and we were out to eat. It was a Saturday night, and uh, I don't know what what compelled him to uh, tell me this story, but he began to tell me a story of a husband and a wife that was in a predicament. That's 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 saying it nice. Yeah, uh, they were in a situation, and. Uh, it, it was a Wednesday night as he told me the story and uh, he, was, uh, he was trying to give her some counsel and he was sitting in his chair and she was across the, his table sitting in another chair and he began to tell her that he was going to preach a message that was revolving around restoration and renewal. Okay. And he said, uh, he said, hypothetically, if you knew without a shadow of a doubt that, that God was going to restore you, would you come down and let us pray with you? She said, said, no, no, Pastor, I I can't do that. You you don't understand, I I, I hate my husband. He said, well, I understand you hate your husband. But, but, But hypothetically, if you knew that God could take all that hatred out and he could replace it with perfect love that cast out all fear, would you please let us pray with you? 
And again, would you believe that woman said no? I hate that man. And this went on for some time, and they bantered back and forth. But finally, she came to a point where she conceded and said, All right, fine, I'll, I'll let you pray with me. He said, Fantastic. We'll see you in five minutes. She went out there. She took her seat, and this is the way he told the story to me. He looked up to the ceiling. He said, Oh, God, what have I got myself into now? you got to show up. Yeah. You've got to do the work that I promised you would do in her life. Amen. He said, I know you can change the heart of a king. That's right. But I don't know if you can change the heart of a woman. <laughs> he walked out there, opened up his Bible, began to preach the message that God had given him. The altar filled up. People were being renewed. They were being restored. They were being set free, and there was that lady still sitting in the same spot that she sat in the beginning of the service. Did not move one iota, did not budge at all. You see, she was in the outpouring. Listen to me, please. She was in the outpouring of God's Spirit. But sometimes it takes more than an outpouring. To fix your situation. Sometimes it takes an infilling. To fix what's wrong in your life. You can be in the presence of God. Week in and week out. You can hear anointed preaching. You can hear anointed and singing. But you being in the presence of God. Will do nothing for you. If you don't position yourself. And say God. I'm opening myself up. Fill me up. Yes. Oh, Jesus. Do something inside. Give me a brand new heart. Give me a brand new mind. It revolves around you today. God is willing. God is yes, able. He is. Yes, he God is. wants to do it. Yes. He sang some songs and finally that lady stepped out and she began to position herself. She began to open up her heart. She began to become vulnerable in the presence of God. And she opened up her broken and brittle and bruised spirit for all to see and for God to reach in and fix what was broken. Standing there, and before long, she began to lift up one hand and lifted up the other hand. Before long, there was a stray tear that streaked down her cheek. For the sake of time, let me fast forward. Lights were off, everybody was gone in the sanctuary. It's about an hour and a half later. Pastor was in his office, he was waiting. On that lady, because that lady had found a spot in the church where she was pouring out herself. She was emptying everything that was not supposed to be there. She was emptying all the hurt, all the hatred, all the bitterness, all the grudges. God was filling her up 
with what was supposed to be there. She was tucked up under the front row pew there, lying on the floor, staining the carpet with her tears as God was operating. She was on the operating table, and God was doing heart surgery in that woman's life. She got up from where she was about an hour and a half later, went back to the pastor's office, stood there in the doorway with tears streaming down her face, and she said, Pastor, I've got something to tell you. He said, what is it? Please tell me what it is. She said, Pastor, as I was in there, God was doing a work in my life, and I've come back to tell you that I love my husband. If you were to go to that church today, you're going to find that couple still married today, and God is using them in a mighty way to bring revival to that church. It does not matter what's in your life. It does not matter if it's hatred, if it's fear, if it's depression, if it's confusion. If you'll open yourself up to God today, I promise that He will fill you up. You can leave today with a brand new heart. You can leave with a renewed mind. You can leave with a restored spirit. There is nothing that is in your life that God cannot fix. Doesn't matter how severe it is. You've got to position yourself. Be a little bit desperate. Be a little bit desperate. And don't be worried about how you look. Don't have an image today. Because if you have an image today, you're going to miss what God is wanting to do in your life. God is able. 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 God is willing. God is willing. God is willing. God is willing. But you have to position yourself today. A bruised reed shall he not break. A smoking flax shall he not quench. No matter the state of your condition, please, please hear me today. No matter the severity of your bruised spirit, no matter the lifelessness of your vision, God will not throw you away. God will not turn you out for something better because the truth of the matter is there is nothing better than a bruised and broken person in the hands of a loving and compassionate God. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You see, there is a danger. I'm coming to a close, sister. Or wants to come, or whoever on the piano. You see, there's a danger. There's a danger in, in coming into the presence of God, in feeling the presence of God, but leaving the same way that you came. There's a danger in that. Sure is. Because subconsciously, what starts happening on the inside without you even thinking about it. His doubt starts to creep in. You think God's not able. But the problem is not God isn't able. 
the problem more times than not is we are not positioning ourselves for God to flex his muscles and to show himself strong and mighty in our lives. Yes, that means we have to become vulnerable. Yes, that means you might have to become broken, not because of circumstances, broken in your pride, broken in your image. to heal your past. God wants to restore your brokenness. God wants to renew that vision, that passion that you once had, that love that was once there. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, the Bible says. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. It's talking about you. It's talking about me. He's not going to despise your brokenness. That's what he's looking for. That's where he can do his best work. But please don't forget this. I'm going to tell you my personal testimony here in a couple of seconds. But please don't forget this. God does his best work when we're broken. But Satan does his best work when we're broken. When you're vulnerable and you're open, you're receptive. Right. What's happening in the world and hopefully to what's happening in the house of God. Don't leave today until you first have allowed God to do what he's wanting to do inside of your life. Please don't leave today. Please don't leave today until you've placed yourself on that operating table. And it might look different for you than, than it does for him. And it might look different for you than it does for me. It's not going to look the same for everybody. That's right. But the end result is restoration. The end result is renewal. The end result is a brand new mind. The end result is a brand new heart. And God can do it today. Remember my first statement before I got up here. I began to preach. I said, you're here because you want something. Why did you come today? You may have came because somebody invited you. But really, why are you here? Why are you here? Don't leave until you've got what you've come for. Don't leave. Don't leave until God has done his work look at me, you might think I came from a good family. And I'm just being real this morning. I hope that's okay. Right. It's fine. You might think, well, he's got a pretty boy haircut and he's got a nice watch on and he's got nice straight teeth. He's had a good life. He had a, a silver spoon. That's what he not the case. 
She's got a mom and a dad that raised me in church. Got a mom and a dad that loved God. See, we were we were in church every Sunday, every Wednesday. We never missed church. We were a conservative family. We had family devotion every night. We we prayed as a family. We went to uh, youth services on Friday nights. We went to all church prayer on Saturdays. We went to every youth camp, every convention. See, my dad, he was a preacher. My dad was a preacher. My dad was a licensed minister, and he would get behind the pulpit, and he would preach about heaven and hell, and the altar would fill up. He had an anointing on his life. He had a power. He had a call. If you were to see him today, you would think I'm lying to you. My mom, she was the ladies' director in my home church back in Virginia. She had hair down to the floor. She was so modest. She was so pure. She loved the Lord. She loved the house of God. She respected the man of God. You see, many nights I would come home and I would hear my mom in the other room and she would be praying for us kids. She would be interceding. Please, God, please don't let them be lost. Please don't let them go the way of the world. Please let them follow you all their life. She was interceding. She was pouring herself out for us kids. My dad, he would be in the corner over there with his little table, his, his lamp, dance, and his Bible, his commentaries, his, his highlighters, and he was studying the Word of God. He was going deeper in the Word of God. He loved the Word of God so much. My brother, he was a youth pastor of our church. He had such a great anointing on his life, and he just knew how to tap into that vein of the Spirit. My sister, she was the brightest Bible quizzer that our church ever had. She would bring home the first place ribbon every single time. We were the perfect family. If you were to go to my home church and you were to ask about the marriage 20 years ago, they would say, oh, what a great family that is. We want to be like the Marys. But if you were to go to that same church today and ask about the Marys, they would say, oh, what a I flew in from New Zealand to the States. Got a phone call from my brother, Daniel. He said, Stephen, I'm sorry I got to call you like this. Abigail, our sister, she found dad's pain medication. Who has stage four prostate cancer, lives in a storage unit, is addicted to pain medication, smokes weed three times a day, is just strung out 24-7. My sister found his pills and crushed them up, put them on a spoon, melted the pills down, put that into a needle. She shot herself out and about lost her arm with infection. See, my sister, she's a recovering heroin addict. My sister, the Bible quizzer, the Holy Ghost-filled young girl. I never would have imagined that I would tell anybody that my sister is a recovering heroin addict. I never thought that I would say that my mom and dad got a divorce about six and a half years ago. My mom's an alcoholic, lives with a a boy not much older than myself. She says she loves him. My dad lives in a storage unit, I told you that already. Strung out on drugs. 
A brother traded his anointing, his calling for a job and a woman. They are no longer in church. They are physically dying. But what you don't understand is during all of this hell on earth, there was a young boy that had a call. I thank God my parents taught me well when I was young. They just let go of things later in life. You see, many nights it got so bad that I would drive to the church and I would sleep on the church floor because I couldn't stand the yelling, I couldn't stand the drugs, the alcohol. Men coming in the house, climbing out through windows in my mom's room, my sister's room. Many nights I would sleep at the top of our stairs with a big stick in my hand because my dad was so angry he had lost his family but if it was not if it was not for the presence of God I would not be here today I wanted to throw in the towel so many times I was so angry I was so bitter why did they do what they Satire. 
God wants to renew. God wants to renew. God wants to renew. God wants to renew. But you've got to open up. It's okay. I know it hurts. I know it's, it hurts. I know it's vulnerable. But you've got to open up just a little bit. Say, God, here I am. Let those tears flow today. Don't fight it. Don't fight it. That's God trying to do a work. 